Hello and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we bring our love for the holidays to you. Today on the show we have four moons. I'm Randy Moon and I'm going to be talking about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm Beth Moon and I'm going to be talking about family traditions beyond our little family. And I am Sydney Moon. I will be talking about Black Friday shopping. And I'm Cole Moon and I'm going to be talking about some of the history of the pilgrims. So welcome to the show. Uh, First we start off with holiday happenings. So we have a couple holiday happenings. One, uh, I came back from my Disney trip. Last week's podcast I actually recorded via the phone after I just had gone to a Disney tour. Later that week I also attended a couple of the parks at night where they had the holiday festivities going on. And I was actually pleasantly surprised with Hollywood Studios. They had a lot of activities going on. Um, They had one section which is kind of to the left as you go to the park where they have a little pond with a dinosaur in it. But they had that whole area decked out with like nostalgic silvers and nostalgic figures and things like that in that section. And like reindeer and, and poodles. Things from like the 50s almost. Um, mm. Elves and things like that okay. from that time frame. And the music kind of was of that time, that awesome. era too. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I hung out there for a while. And then they had the, to the right, the section of Hollywood Studios that goes towards the Tower of Terror. They had that kind of on a continuous loop at night of a number of um, Disney character sets in holidays with projections onto the Tower of Terror itself. So that was itself with snow, lasers, all kind of fun music and Christmassy stuff, yeah, Christmas all kind lasers. Of Christmas stuff. <laughs> and then I ended that night at the final show, which was which is called Jingle Bell Jingle Bam. The elves from Prep and Landing and other elves associated in that world mm-hmm. um, trying to find Santa Claus. So, And that's a big projection map, fireworks, those sort of things. So that was a lot of fun. I really appreciated that I had time to do that. And I was looking forward to all of us being able to go there later this month. So that was fun. It was nice to see that. It was nice to also be able to come home. And then we actually, uh, the couple of days after I came home... Went to the Northern Virginia Christmas Craft Show. Uh, we but did our... we, it's uh, you and Beth. Right. right. This was a, like a Christmas market kind of. Right. It's what Northern Virginia Christmas, Christmas market, market, which is our tradition um, each November to go there. Yep. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what kind of things are at the market? So it's typical craft show, a lot of jewelry, a lot of Christmas decorations. Do you have any idea how many vendors there were? I wish I would know because it's huge. And when we first got there, it opens at 10. We got there at 10.30. I thought, oh, we'll miss the line because Mm -hmm. the line's for the opening. We got there and it was a huge line. Yeah, it's a very large Christmas market. It's the largest one that we've been to anywhere close to here. And And, and it completely fills the Dulles Expo Center. Yes, completely fills the Dulles Expo Center in Chantilly, and um, we always find things there. Some things we get each year, some things are always new, uh, so we always enjoy that. And there was the Amish cooking. They had set up this huge thing. Like uh, baked goods and oh, stuff like that. Yeah, they have baked goods. So many they have baked goods. dips so and good. soups. Yep. They have soaps. Soups and soaps. soaps. <laughs> yeah. Not in the same one. Yeah. Uh, I hope not. No, pretty much anything you think of. It is. There's scarves. There's, yeah, stuff for kids, like stuff for adults. Jewelry. Yeah, yeah we've exactly gotten, right. um, you've, ordered, Mom, uh, you've ordered some aprons for us. 
Um, yes, I got yeah, them custom there. Made, yeah, custom made, and I only saw them one year there. I look for them every year though because mm-hmm. I love that. But I only ever saw them there one year. But right. yes, it was it was a lot of fun. And we make a day of it. We mm-hmm. also go to Uncle Julio's afterwards. There's a little date time, so that's yeah. always fun. We enjoy that as well. So those are our two holiday happenings. Uh, we do have one correction from last week. We talked about Veterans Day. We talked about uh, my father being in the Korean War. He actually wasn't in the Korean War. My mom texted me and said he wasn't actually in the war. His service is after the war ended, not long after, but it was still after the war ended. So when he was taking care of the tanks, they were going out and in, but it wasn't to combat. It was the peacekeeping post-treaty time when they exactly. established the parallel that the two countries would be split by so right. uh, so that was just to make sure everyone realized that that was he was actually there shortly after the war right. that's right uh, in and, korea and our little blog post also states that correction as well about Excellent. veterans Day. thank you great and with that we're going to move on to our primary topics for today and i think that beth is going to begin the discussion with family traditions I am going to do that. Randy and I were in the car today, and I got the opportunity to ask him about his childhood when he was growing up and things about his Thanksgiving. Now, Randy is the youngest of six children. He sounds very interesting. Oh, does he? (laughs) This Randy guy. I'm so glad you had this clearly one opportunity to talk to him in the car. (laughs) As implied by your... (laughs) This was uninterrupted time and time when he couldn't do anything else he was driving so So he had undivided (laughs) attention and his thanksgiving sounded very similar to our thanksgiving in some ways we had his mom got up super early again i don't get up as early as either of our mothers did (laughs) but uh but moms got up first He watched the Macy's Parade with his family. They had the traditional meal, the turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy. Mm. He said that occasionally there would be like a cottage cheese and pineapple appetizer. Oh. (laughs) And I was like, oh. Served on a bed of lettuce. Did it symbolize anything? Nope. I think it's just an appetizer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. Just pineapple's an interesting choice for a... Uh, Cottage cottage cheese and pineapples. Very healthy. So everything else uh, was very similar. (laughs) And he was saying that for the cranberry sauce, he also had the gelled cranberry sauce like I did growing up. And he said that his family just, they sliced it. Which is exactly what we did growing up. Really? That's what my family did growing up. Yeah. And then his dad carved the turkey. I said, did did he carve it at the table? Because think about this. Six kids, right? And then all those dishes and stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, did he carve it at the table? He said, no, he did not carve it at the table. He knew better. (laughs) Right. And then afterward that he and his brothers would often go out and play football. Now, there are five boys in the family. So there's a girl and then five boys. So five boys going out in... November, probably a lot of times it was muddy, I imagine. So that was a lot of fun. For is that true? Well, it is true. <laughs> I feel a little weird listening to her now. Well, you know, she got the scoop from this Randy <laughs> guy. Randy well, person. And he said, you know, you know, we'd tackle each other. We played tackle football, so inevitably somebody would get hurt. Yeah. yeah. It usually <laughs> was over when somebody got hurt. <laughs> the fun stopped. 
Yeah, because right. it would be either wet or snow. Like it just. So did you guys just throw it around, or did you have like teams? No, we got other kids uh, in the neighborhood that came out and played football, and that was pretty common in the neighborhood that my dad lived in. So this would have been when I was in middle of elementary school and on all the way through high school. Uh, there was a lot of kids in the neighborhood. So if some kids started to do something, other kids noticed and joined them. <laughs> so uh, when we, when a couple kids would go out and start throwing football, yeah. other kids would notice and then a game would form and then teams would form. And we had plenty of kids to play a full game, full tackle, painful, wet. limping home. <laughs> Hurting. Yes, wet, cold. It snowed often as well in Thanksgiving in Pennsylvania. So mm-hmm. right. lots of fun. <laughs> and if you, you know, when you say that if several kids go out and start doing something, other kids notice, just your family is five boys. So right. But we <laughs> that, didn't. This is a good start Because to there anything. were five of us, we kind of, there was a an era, right? So right. there was the older boys era and the younger boys era. So right. we didn't, it's not, it wasn't that whole span because we would have got, cre- I would have, as the youngest, just been I know. cremated if I was playing with the oldest right, boys right. from the neighborhood. Right. So it tended to be groupings around more the close to the same age. That makes that more makes sense. sense. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was just imagining you like being like toppled over like a bowling pin. You I, know? I remember <laughs> I played one time with the older boys mm-hmm. and I got hit like twice and I was done. I was like, okay. <laughs> I this isn't enough. fun. <laughs> I'm going to tell mom. Think my thumb, because I think one of them, also I think they threw the football a lot harder. Like I was, oh, sure. uh, yeah, I was younger, right? And I yeah. think one of them hit my thumb and... It was very painful. That sounds terrible. I still remember it and have horrible <laughs> memories about that. Now, the more safe football was when you and your brothers would join your father and watch football. <laughs> on right. TV. On, on TV, TV. Yes. yes. That's the safer one. And he's, uh, Brandy was saying that in his family, you know, there's always the after dinner nap, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And his dad would always be resting his eyes, which actually is what I said. That's what my dad always said too. Like they'd be, they'd, they'd be laying there in a recliner or whatever, and it's like, "Dad, are you sleeping?" "No, no, I'm just resting my eyes." So it's like a classic dad thing I guess to say. So. I guess so. From that generation, I don't know. Yeah. So he didn't do Black Friday, and they never decorated early for Christmas. Yeah, I don't remember Black Friday at all being right. a big growing part. up. It may have. As I got older, high school maybe, I saw ads on it, but we didn't really do a lot of our shopping that day. Okay. No, ours yeah. didn't, my parents didn't participate in Black Friday, and we never decorated early for Christmas either. The things that the I remember the stores emphasizing pre-Thanksgiving were layaway. Right. Right, right. which was the idea you could... But you could purchase an item, they would hold it for you, and then you would pay it off little by little. Right. That was big in the areas we lived in. Right. Um, for both of us. Right. Hmm. And the evening after football, in the evening at some point, you would watch some kind of Christmas show. Whatever one was on TV, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. There wasn't it, There wasn't this, oh, we have, can choose any movie to watch. Yeah, it wasn't until later in high school, I think, that VHS I know. Uh, oh, recording was, was possible. <laughs> so a lot of it was just what was on. But they usually had Miracle on 34th Street or, or It's a, a Wonderful, Wonderful Life, Life oh. which is an awesome Christmas movie. And... Um, so something like that to kind of bring in the Christmas season right. in the evening. You, That's one of your favorite films, isn't it, Mom? Well, it's a Wonderful it, Life. It is a little, he's a little whiny. He has a lot of wonderful <laughs> things and he's whining about it, so it's not my favorite. No, well, there's an interesting background about It's a Wonderful Life because 
at the time when at the time when the I guess the copyright for It's a Wonderful Life was going to be renewed by the company that made it, they waived the copyright because it was panned by critics and did so badly. I remember um, hearing about that. Yeah, and it did so badly initially. Audiences didn't like it, critics didn't like it, but because it became open domain, because anybody could use it, TV channels would just play it over and over again uh, around Christmas time. So it became and, this holiday phenomenon because everybody always saw it around Christmas time. So it right. didn't do well initially, initially, but because they didn't renew its license or however the minutia of that works, right? Then, it, you know, companies yeah. could just or and TV stations could just play it over and over again. I do remember hearing that. When I think about my time growing up, I usually think about it from like mid elementary up through early senior high, that kind of time period. And when we were... I think that's what a lot of people think of growing up. Right. And we didn't have... We had like one channel. So we didn't have the options that people with cable had because we had like antenna. Right. Because back then it was mostly antenna based. And if you lived in a mountainous area, you had a harder time getting the signal. You could have areas that were just completely... Even though the signal technically was in your area you'd have to have a really tall antenna if you were next on the side of a mountain like you were or near mountains to get right. those signals and, and also in a rural area too the weather affected it so a lot of times you might get a channel one day and the next day might be really bad staticky or not there right hmm. and very fuzzy yes it was, it was, it's funny to think about now it is it is so one of the things that i was curious about when talking to my mom was the fact that we had oyster stuffing growing up. Now, we never had oysters any other time That's of the year. bizarre. Right. Because you guys, you're not even part of, like, you're not close to the coast. No. In Pennsylvania. You were definitely right. central. In Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, it was not anywhere close to oysters. Right. <laughs> so, I was like, I said, today, I said, why did we have oyster stuffing? And she said, well... Your dad wanted oysters in his stuffing. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was like, Wait, it didn't come from her mother? No, dad liked oysters. And I was like, but why? <laughs> like, that seems so bizarre to me. But it was such a, it was so, that's what we had growing up. It was so, so every single. what was oyster stuffing? It's basically your normal stuffing mm-hmm. and put oysters in it. But it made it, a, it made it really, really different. And I don't remember. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even tasted it, but I can say, yeah. If you add something like oysters to yes. stuffing. Yes. And we loved it growing up. But I don't, I don't remember ever having, biting into oysters. So I'm really not sure exactly what all happened. Well, I, I had oyster <laughs> stuffing after we started dating. Right. When we were, you know, had Thanksgiving oh, or Christmas at some point together. Oh. Yes, and there were oyster pieces in the stuffing, too. But not so, big ones. No, it wasn't like... An oyster in the stuffing. No, it was like, it was cut up into pieces. So right. So there was like a flavoring in the stuffing and then... Right. Well, was it good? Well, okay, so this... <laughs> but your facial expression, uh... <laughs> okay, so this is the deal. Since we grew up with it... The, we liked it. Right, right. Yep. That makes sense. Uh-huh. As we started bringing other people home, mm-hmm. oh, this, I'm bringing my boyfriend home. Oh, I'm, you know, I met this girl and, you know, she's coming to Thanksgiving and whatever. Yeah. So as we started bringing people outside of the family <laughs> in, 
mom made regular stuffing. And I was trying to remember... As well as oyster stuffing. She made both. Right. I was trying to remember if my brother Earl liked it. I'm not sure if he did, but... Um, you said that you all... You said that you loved it. I you loved liked. it. And I was thinking all of us did, but I, I'm, I'm just wondering... I didn't get to talk to him. I'll have to actually ask him. When we were growing up, she would stuff the bird, and I said, did you have... What did you do with the extra stuffing? Because in our family, we have a ton of stuffing because we love turkey and stuffing. Mm-hmm. So we have so much. But growing up, she just stuffed the bird and that's that was the stuffing. But she would make, she said, stuffing balls. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So how did you do that? And she said she would make her stuffing, form them into little balls, put them on the stovetop, and basically saute them until, until they were kind of brown on the outside put some turkey broth in it, put a lid on and kind of steam them Mm -hmm. so that it had that flavor, that turkey flavor through it, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a really good idea. So I said, were they like the size of meatballs? She said they were about a little bigger probably than golf balls, which I thought was a funny (laughs) way to think of it. But I like that idea. We also had baked corn growing up, which I love and dad doesn't. So he didn't love the oyster stuffing or the baked corn. So No, it was fine. Seriously? Yeah. You don't like corn. You always make a point that <laughs> I don't like corn. Really? You don't like you don't like corn. I'm not a big corn eater in general. Oh, that's so funny. I thought that um, I really don't like corn, I and know. I always thought that like oh, the three of you love corn, so you know. No, Cindy nope. and I like to the like the baked corn. We like other corn. Cindy yeah. and I like yeah. corn. Like cream corn. To me, corn is fine. So beyond <laughs> that. I was asking her about when she grew up, my mom. And mom is one of seven children and grew up in Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. And she said she couldn't remember a lot of things about her growing up. But she did remember that she always wanted the drumstick, and I, and which made me laugh. And I said, okay, they're like a lot of you. Did right. you all want the drumstick? She said, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I said, did you always get the drumstick? She goes, yeah. And I said, well, <laughs> I said who wanted the other one? She said, I really don't know. <laughs> she said, but I wanted one of them, and I always got one of them. Aww. So I guess the other six had to share time, so they got the other, <laughs> the other drumstick somehow. Wait, was she, I'm sorry, did you say the youngest of seven? No. She, oh, is, okay. she was the, she had a younger brother and sister. Okay. Did you grow up with the wishbone? I grew up with the wishbone as being an important part of the process where you would get the wishbone out. My mom would let it dry. And then some, I don't know who chose who got to pull it apart. Right out of the situation. You and somebody else. Apparently, you and somebody else got to break the wishbone. Whoever got the bigger side got whatever the wishbone. I always forgot which one was good, big or little. Always big. Big. Always big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember doing that sometimes. Like, oh, I don't okay. remember it being this big thing growing up, but I do remember sometimes doing it. So, yeah. we, apparently, our family was more it, um It's definitely a tradition that didn't live on for very long in our household. Right. Right. And it lasted a while. Dad always would pull out the wishbone and dry yeah. it. And but there were, there were a series of Thanksgivings where you refused to do it. No, because you would hold it at the very top. <laughs> this is an so, internal family. This is an internal. So, 
The rules. Some like, of us <laughs> figured out how to win at wishboning. No, two of us figured out how to win. You were stronger, so you would always break it, and I didn't feel like breaking it. So you and Dad eventually broke it, which was nice because <laughs> you couldn't do the same thing to Dad. And you right. Did too. <laughs> I'd like to point and out, Dad I still that. won. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe for some of us. Now are let just... us all have a round of applause for Cole winning the wishbone. Yeah. Yay! Did <laughs> you want your wishbone? And all my wishes came true. <laughs> just right here. Clearly, yeah. So that was us growing up, and then some of my mom's memories. Fun. Did someone say pilgrims? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm about to. <laughs> oh, how interesting! This is a seamless transition right into my. <laughs> my segment no but i'm going to talk about um a little bit of the history of the pilgrims or the group of colonists that we often call pilgrims and pilgrims is a um sorry i have my notes in front of me and dad is like reading off of my notes as i'm talking i'm just sharing so, <laughs> no 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 sharing Share to okay. yourself i'm not necessarily going to say everything that's on here i'm going to move my paper around a lot though <laughs> It's hard to see if you're... Um, no, but the, most people generally know some of the history of the group of colonists that we call pilgrims. And the term pilgrim refers to... It's a largely a religious term. And it refers to somebody that makes a long journey. Oh. So the term pilgrim is not... It might be synonymous to us with this group, but this is not the end-all, be-all. These are the pilgrims. Right, because it's right. It, it, it's a term. Pilgrimages, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest pilgrimage that people still take is uh, the Hajj to Mecca, right? And that's an annual pilgrimage. Right. Um, this was quite a pilgrimage, though. This was quite a pilgrimage. Yes. But this is probably the most popular group of colonists in mainstream U.S. history because of their connection to our modern Thanksgiving holiday. But it's important to note that this this was not the first British colony in the Americas or even in North America at the time. The Virginia colony of Jamestown, 1607, was the first North American British colony in sort of the uh, what we think of as the continental United States, whereas Plymouth colony was 1620. Did Jamestown disappear? That was Roanoke. That was Roanoke. Roanoke. Interesting. Jamestown was like the center of British power. It was the Virginia colony. It was the settlers at the Roanoke settlement that disappeared with only a few clues. That's great, great. So interesting. Okay, go ahead. That's not as interesting as the pilgrims, though. Go ahead. Oh. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm running this through a um, biased pro-pilgrim censorship <laughs> which will be pilgrim cutting out awesome. any any anti-pilgrim propaganda as it's exactly stated propaganda is a good way no but it was in uh 1620 that these pilgrims left plymouth england and set sail west for america the reason that i hear most for why these so why this group of colonists left to settle america was sort of religious persecution is what you hear the most which isn't entirely accurate, or at least is somewhat misleading. Now, not all these ships that would come over were homogenous in their reasons why they came over, right? So, like, the, the crew, some of the crew actually stayed. It was about 100 passengers, 30 crew, on the, on the Mayflower when it came right, over. Right, but some of them stayed right. when, the, when the others left, right? So they wouldn't have been pilgrims. 
per se. They would have right. been colonists that chose to stay for with a while. With the pilgrims. Along with the pilgrims in the new land. Quote, unquote, yeah. Right. Well, right. And they still, it was new to them. They didn't know anything yeah, about it. True. It's very new Clearly. to them. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was gently used. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was during a period over a decade before settling in Plymouth, Massachusetts, that a group of radicalized Puritans called the English Separatist Church illegally broke off from the Church of England. And after this, they they settled in the United Provinces, which a lot of people know as Netherlands or Holland, but the political entity was called the United Provinces, so that's what sort of I know it as as a historian. It's kind of like Germany in that, weirdly, like, everybody kind of had their own little name for the Netherlands. Like, they called themselves something, the Germans called them something. It's like, there's so many different little, like, subsections of... Netherlands? No, of Germany is what I'm thinking of. I think it's important, you mentioned being a historian earlier. I think it's important to note for our listeners that before you say that, you always put your historian... Bad job, so we all can identify you <laughs> as an official historian. Yeah, I, I say it so that you know that I'm more qualified to talk about whatever right, exactly. I'm talking about. Which is why you have the badge. Right. right. And I the have badge. a little heart badge that I lay down to show that I love the pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that just like the six, six, 1620 pilgrims, or is that like all pilgrims? We're talking about the separatists. The colonists it's right pilgrims. now. <laughs> But no, so they, they settled in the Netherlands, where they were first in Amsterdam and then in Leiden. And the form of Christianity that the separatists practiced was different, but in a lot of ways it was just as authoritarian and legalistic as the form of Christianity that was currently being practiced by the British Anglican at the Church time. at the time. So it's sort of, it's, it's a minutia in the terminology but it's more of they wanted to practice religion in their way than they wanted religious freedom. Right. It was the freedom to practice their religion. Right. It was the freedom to practice their religion. Right. Because and a lot of people will say they left because of religious, they wanted religious freedom, which is not, they wanted which to is have misleading. A, they wanted to go to a place where they could practice <laughs> the way they wanted to practice their religion. They didn't care if other people in that same place practiced their religion the way they wanted to as well. Right. So there was religious freedom, but that's not really what these particular pilgrims were going for. Right. Their not, own their well, and what they wanted was yeah. sort of like, if you're going to be in our colony, you know, right. this it, is our... Yeah, it was their colony, religion. their ways, their, their religion. Right. right. And it was, it was very common for a state to have a religion at right. this point. Religious freedom was not sort of something that was widely practiced by states at this point. There, there definitely were. They went to they went to the Netherlands because they had more lenient laws. But it, I think maybe the Ottoman Empire was the only place at this point that you could say had sort of more religious freedom. And even then, there were sort of taxes on other yeah. non-state religions. And you can cut this out, but I think that it was the Ottoman Empire. Once they created the Ottoman, they couldn't put their feet okay. up. They could relax more. <laughs> Like. I miss talking to other historians, <laughs> which you guys are not. <laughs> Just placing my, my <laughs> little, little badge. Yeah, I don't have that card to play, so <laughs> down there. You are correct. But I've always liked history, so. Right. Which qualifies you. To be interested, yes. Right. <laughs> and to make dumb Ottoman jokes. <laughs> Was it dumb? 
funny. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, Dutch laws were far more lenient than those of the British. But eventually, financial troubles, really, it really was financial troubles. They were also worried about sort of being indoctrinated into the... That's right. The Dutch church and... And um, having yet another religion right they were afraid practices of, imposed on them right they were afraid of losing their language and their right. culture too and their youth um, were especially susceptible to this right because the netherlands was awesome i guess so right the youth were like we, we, want, we yeah. want to stay here <laughs> um so we read books about that the interesting thing was i didn't really think about it because i never really i've never really done much research on the pilgrims as a historian i've done a little more research on a lot of topics than at least past what's mainstream but i haven't done any in-depth research on the pilgrims or the plymouth colonists but I, i'd never really thought about how they how they got onto the mayflower like they were they were broke so who financed them so they were financed by a guy named thomas weston who had his own london stock company he was an iron merchant and he was interested in funding these colonists because, well, obviously he wanted to make a profit. Well, he more or less commissioned these colonists to work for him for seven years overseas and send him back all the natural, like, resources that they... We can't remember that. Like, what was the... Do you know more about the deal, what they what they were committed No, I just very preliminarily know about the deal. because But they had to send wood fur, anything that was valuable hmm. from the New World back to this guy for... Interesting. And it was unfortunate for them because the the stock company was able to take advantage of them because they were broke and really wanted to get over into the New World. So they more or less weren't able to make any profit off of any of the crops, any of the natural resources that they had for, you know, all these years. So they had subsistence farming for themselves. Right. And, and anything anything else. Other than that, they shipped back to... Back to Weston's stock company. Interesting. Too. So he just had ships coming over at certain times. And yeah. That's how um, colonialism worked. That's how empires made profits off of it, right. is by establishing routes with ships to bring natural resources back and uh, cash crops and other goods back to the center of the empire so they they had the means to get over at this point so they had they left in 1620 on the mayflower they had left with another smaller ship called the speedwell which they found out pretty early on wasn't seaworthy so that had to go back to england but like i said before there were around 100 passengers and 30 crew uh, who made the journey and for the most part, the rest of the, I guess, the mainstream story is pretty accurate. From that point, they establish a colony in Massachusetts where they suffer a difficult and devastating winter. And they're assisted by local natives of the um, Wampanoag tribe, which I'm not going to call Indians. This is actually not necessarily a big point of contention for historians, but I guess disagreement. Because there's some of us that call them the Native Americans Indians. Some of us call them natives. I don't like using the term Indian for my own reasons, just because my field of history is India. So it's very confusing <laughs> for me when people call them Indians. That's sort of an uh, interesting point of discussion among historians. So after that, they come together. After the winter, they come together during a harvest festival with their native, local natives. 
And that's where we sort of trace back the roots of our Thanksgiving holiday. Cool. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing, Cole. Yeah, it's an interesting. It's amazing how much I can continue to learn about that that group of people, right? There's still bits of information that don't always come off in uh, what I remember from history. Right, yes, we didn't learn a lot of stuff in our in, in the in the details. That we were grew mm-hmm. up in. Right. You know, while Cole was speaking. I was trying to find the book that we had read that came to mind. We had read some different books, but this one was a fictional book based upon the real history of the separatists in the Netherlands and how they were really, the younger generations were getting in danger of becoming assimilated into that. Well, in danger, according to the separatists, of becoming assimilated into that culture and losing their own identity as a culture exactly and they really worried about but it was done in a way that was just really amazing well and it's interesting because for a young person especially all it can take is a generation for them to lose not just their culture but their language too because the young young people pick up language so quickly right and it's it's interesting how the pilgrims are to varying degrees important to different people right like to you Pilgrims, very important. Now, yeah, why they're I so... Think they're, well, I think they're... The whole thing is amazing. The, the fact that they made it over here is amazing. The fact that they made it over here alive is amazing. Mm-hmm. With one extra passenger, we had one baby born on the way over. Do you guys remember his name? Ocean. Oceanus. Yeah. But yes, there was one more. And then, how sad is it that the first winter, half of them died? They yeah. made it the whole way over. So this group of people... They weren't set up to succeed, and yet they did ultimately succeed. So there's just some... I just like them. Their tenacity. And I don't know if you realize this, but the Pilgrims start off the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade each year. So that's the beginning. And as a kid, as Beth mentioned earlier in the podcast, I would wake up on Thanksgiving morning... My mom would have been cooking for a while, so the the smells were in the air. You, a pilgrim. (laughs) And um, we would come downstairs, and one of the first things we would watch is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which was very fun for us. For the five, mostly the five boys, I don't remember. My sister is older than us, so I don't always remember the things that she participated in or not. But we would watch the parade, and mom and dad would come in occasionally and sit with us and watch it. And as a kid, as a younger kid, I really enjoyed seeing the balloons and the floats mostly. The uh, cartoons and the TV shows that were represented at the time, like Snoopy and the Peanuts Gang, Underdog. (laughs) I remember Underdog. We even got that in our He was flying to save the day. Bullwinkle, uh, Mickey Mouse, the Sesame Street Gang, and Tom Turkey Float. And as I got older, I appreciated other aspects of the parade. Like in my teen years, I started to enjoy the Rockettes more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I imagine you did. And they had they performed annually um, starting in 1957. Oh, wow. They did it a long time then. They still do. Right. And they still wow. do. It's not the same women, though. It's different, <laughs> different women. That would be crazy. <laughs> and since uh, we played in the middle school and high school bands, uh, I did, as did all my brothers before me. Uh, I like to watch the marching bands, too. And they tended to kind of get cut off to the commercials. They would show like a little snippet of them, and then they would get uh, cut cut off. But it was still nice to see them. And And it was a big privilege for the marching bands to be asked to be in. That's right. You had to send in a 
a um, ad- audition for them to review and accept. And, you know, and they only more, accepted yeah. so many. Mm-hmm. And then later, the focus uh, of those parades became more about the special guest stars, the singing, dancing. Uh, they would have segments from Broadway shows we enjoyed as well. But I was looking back at the history of the parade itself. And uh, this is an article I found on History.com by Christopher Klein. So Macy's had actually prospered during the Roaring Twenties, 1920s, as did a lot of stores in um, that period. So it went public, Macy's went public in 1922 and started to acquire competitors and become bigger and bigger. And the flagship store for Macy's was, even back then, Manhattan's Herald Square back in 1924. It had expanded so large it covered an entire city block. Oh, my goodness. So to showcase the opening of this new large city block store and its one million square feet of retail space, Mr. Macy decided to throw a parade in New York on Thanksgiving morning. And the interesting thing was it actually wasn't a Thanksgiving parade at all. It was really a parade that was to emphasize Christmas because Macy's was hoping that its Christmas parade would whet the appetites of consumers for the holiday shopping feast that was about to come. And it was interesting as I read more about this. Uh, it was actually Philadelphia's Gimble Brothers department store. So Gimble's who first staged a Thanksgiving procession in 1920. So wow. their first parade. Wow. So it had 50 people, 15 cars, a fireman dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> and then other department stores, like Hudson's Department Store in Detroit, other stores started to uh, emulate that as well. So, so there this was, was not a new idea by the time that Macy's... No, so several of these stores started to host parades in different cities. So in New York, however, the only Thanksgiving parade that had previously passed through the city streets uh, was this tradition of children painting their faces and donning tattered clothes to masquerade as ragamuffins who asked anything for Thanksgiving as they begged door-to-door for pennies, apples, and pieces of candy. So it's almost like a little, like, like a Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's really funny. Yep. So that first parade was ni- uh, November 27, 1924, and Macy's promised the parade goers in this full-page newspaper advertisement a marathon of mirth. That's quite an... Yeah, I like that vocabulary. Quite a promise. It wasn't a full marathon. It wasn't 26 miles, but it was six miles long uh, for those that had to hike that. And the spectators stood four and five people deep to watch this first one. So it had a nursery rhyme theme that year. Which was in the window displays of Macy's. This was still not Thanksgiving Day. It was Thanksgiving Day, but, but the like not a Thanksgiving Day parade. Right. It okay. was a it was a parade for Christmas. Right. Uh, the floats featured Mother Goose favorites such as the old woman who lived in a shoe, Little Miss Muffet, <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood. The Macy's employees dressed as clowns and cowboys and and sword wielding knights. And this was interesting. There was a menagerie of animals on loan from Central Park, including. Bears, elephants, camels, and monkeys. Oh my goodness! Oh my yeah. goodness. Real bears. Real bears. Right, real bears. Wow, and that that's did dangerous. That did not last very long. <laughs> um, that oh, actually ended right <laughs> after a few mauling. And yeah. no, that's not true. And even in the first parade, Santa Claus brought up the end, sitting with his reindeer in a sleigh on top of a mountain of ice. So, were they real reindeer at this point? No, I think that's a good <laughs> okay, question. Yeah, that, given the context, oh, right. right. <laughs> So, by noon, the parade had arrived in front of 
the uh, Macy's store at Herald Square, and there was 10,000 people there cheering Santa as he descended from his sleigh. So just oh in that goodness. little area. That's amazing. 10,000 people? Yep. And with a bellow from his trumpet, Santa sounded the signal to unveil the fair frolics of Wondertown. <laughs> the Christmas time window display designed by artist and puppeteer Tony Sarge. As soon as the police lowered the crowd control lines, the children rushed to the 75-foot-long window to see the miniature Mother Goose marionette characters on moving belts, frolicking in their own parade in front of a castle-like facade. So that's really the tradition. That tradition became uh, a yearly tradition, although, like I mentioned, the zoo animals were nixed um, at some point in favor of balloons. So that happened in 1927. So three years later, the animals were out because the animals were did not like how those kids yelling and screaming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, and yeah. the balloons. And the first balloon was, do you guys remember? Felix the cat. Felix um, the cat really? in 1927. Yeah. Yep. Really? Good job. Cool. And, and the route was shortened quite a bit um, that year uh, just to make it easier with all the balloons and the marching bands and things like that. So I was looking back at the history of some of the balloons to see which started when. So in my era, like in the, I'd say the 70s when I was a kid, there were the second version of Mickey Mouse balloon, because the first version was a little scary. (laughs) Kermit the Frog debuted in 77. The Weeble ones, remember Weebles Wobble, but they don't, it was 75. The Aviator Snoopy in in 68, and the Astronaut Snoopy in 69. That was interesting. Then I was looking to see when you guys were young, which ones would have debuted. So Rocky and Bullwinkle, which oh. would have been the second version of Bullwinkle. Wait, what year was that? Ninety six. Because that's when Cole was born. Yeah, so but Sydney he, would he, right. No, I would not. No, you're pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Ninety seven was Arthur and the Rugrats. Oh, I mean, oh, but we Arthur. also grew up with Rocky and Bullwinkle. Exactly. So that's right. kind of and fun. Arthur. Right. Right. Yeah. Arthur. Ninety nine was the Millennial Snoopy. Right before the year two thousand, <laughs> the Honey Nut Cheerios B. <laughs> Which was funny. funny, yeah. Ronald McDonald was in 2000. McDonald, yeah, we always see that one. Yes. So this year, the balloons are going to include Charlie Brown with a kite wrapped around him. The new Grinch and Max from the new uh, Grinch movie oh. will have their own balloon. Olaf will have his own. Olaf. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Pikachu, the Pillsbury Doughboy, SpongeBob, Elf on a Shelf. And there's a new set of balloons for this group of elves the elves names are fleck bjorn jojo and hug and they're from a netflix film that is debuting this uh, november 22nd called the christmas chronicles which i've never even heard of until i was looking up what was going on at this year's parade and the description of the this netflix movie is the story of sister and brother kate and teddy pierce whose christmas eve plan to catch santa claus on camera turns into an unexpected journey the kids could only dream about another description says in the netflix original a pair of siblings hope to meet santa during his christmas eve but wind up crashing his sleigh yep saint nick (laughs) and the kids and this gang of silly elves will devise a plan to save the holiday and kurt russell plays santa claus so i thought that was interesting the voice of Kurt Russell? Yes, the voice of Kurt Russell. No, he, no, no actual, actual Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. So it's an actual yeah. live I've actually show. seen, I didn't yes. see the whole trailer, but Netflix has this. When yeah. you open Netflix, it's got this little trailer. I remember seeing Kurt Russell in a Santa suit. I didn't know that this That's was... That's so funny. I assumed you were talking about an animated series. Yeah, me too. No, it's a 
live action show, that's November crazy. 22nd. Fun. The Broadway musicals for this year, because that's something we like to watch it as is. part of the show. They're going to have Mean Girls, My Fair Lady, The Prom, and Summer, the Donna Summer musical. So I thought that was interesting. And then just some details on uh, some statistics about the parade that the uh, producers have said. They're set to enthrall more than 3.5 million spectators lining the streets of Manhattan and more than 50 million viewers on television. Wow. Uh, the lineup will feature 16 giant character balloons, 43 novelty balloons, heritage balloons, 26 floats, 1,200 cheerleaders and dancers, more than 1,000 clowns. If you don't like clowns, this is not the great for you. Not a good year for you. 12 marching bands. And then they'll have a number of uh, performers like Pentatonix will be there, oh, Diana nice. Ross, Martina McBride. So a bunch of performers as well. As well as a special appearance by the one and only Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. Yes. Yes. So just like the parade where it begins with the turkey and pilgrims for Thanksgiving and ends with Santa Claus... The next day after Thanksgiving is, for some, um, first day of the Christmas season, the Christmas holiday. Sure, if you want to wait that long. Right, right. right. <laughs> Nowadays, stores, I mean, they um, decorate much earlier. There are all kinds of statistics out on that. But what I'm going to talk about today is Black Friday shopping and how Black Friday, like the, how the term came to be, and then our traditions for Black Friday shopping. So... When I was looking up the history of the term Black Friday, it actually, um, it's it was a, a lot about money. It's a business term, right? It like, is. it's the one day a year companies go into the black. The term originated, had different origins. So, mm-hmm. yes, but they spread that around more to make a positive spin on Black Friday versus what its actual origins are. Now, I looked through different sources. Uh, such as history.com and this all they all say okay going from red to black came after the actual origins of black friday so what were the actual origins of black friday well it kind of comes in two parts right there's actual um the kind of where the original term came from and then the term regarding the day after thanksgiving okay so it kind of comes in two parts so the term black friday Typically, people think of going from the red, which is um, loss of profit, to black, which is earning a profit, right? But according to a variety of sources, the name, the original name of Black Friday was um, associated with September 24th, 1869, when two people, Jay Gold and James Fisk, tried to take advantage of the gold market. So basically, they wanted to um, buy up the gold and sell it for a higher Profit. This is the 1869. The disruption in gold prices sent commodity prices plummeting 50%. And they basically weren't punished due to corruption around that time. And just for clarification, the adjective black has been applied to days upon which calamities occur. So during this time um, where there was a disruption in the gold prices, this was a Friday, and they referred to the ter- to that day as black right which, uh, calamity occurred right because it affected a lot of people's wealth their income their right. savings mm-hmm. all those sorts of things so it was exactly. a very bad day so, so is that right. the first time like that the term black friday was used i believe that's what uh, my sources indicate mm-hmm. um, sometime in the 1980s retailers found a way to reinvent black friday and bring a more uh, a more positive light to it going from red 
to black. Mm -hmm. um, for a while, they were trying to change the name of, of it itself um, to Big Friday. <laughs> but um, for kind of obvious reasons, that never stuck. So so it was retailers trying to switch that terminology. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Hmm. Um, in the 1950s, so regarding Black Friday as we know it today, the day after Thanksgiving, in the 1950s, um, more and more people started calling in sick, taking the day after Thanksgiving off. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in fact, it said some companies even just gave the day off to to the workers because they knew that they weren't going to come in. Not retail companies. No. No, not retail <laughs> that companies. They their took, employees. Yeah. yeah. They took advantage of that. They, in fact, so basically, people from the suburb, suburban area flood the cities, flood into the stores, start their Christmas shopping, um, first day of the Christmas season for many, especially back then, right? They didn't really decorate early for Christmas. The term Black Friday um, was a term used by the Philadelphia police to describe the chaos that ensued on the day after Thanksgiving when, quote unquote, hordes of suburban shoppers and tourists would flood the city. Hmm. Particular term Black Friday caught on, and that's when retailers tried to change it to Big oh, okay. Friday. Okay. Okay. Um, to try to take away the negative connotations, mm -hmm. such as chaos and and hordes of people, hmm. such as a day of great calamity. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So um, you have to admire their attempt. Right. Right. But and, and their flexibility when that didn't work to yes. go with it to Just find a different way to re roll it. <laughs> to reinvent. Yeah, reinvent the word Black Friday. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, Friday as we Black Friday as we know it now is a big shopping day for a couple of reasons. Obviously, the first day after Thanksgiving, the official start of the Christmas season, and two many stores offer a variety of sales to entice people. As many begin their shopping for Christmas um, during that day, and you know, four day weekend. What are you going to do? You're going to stay inside, eat turkey all day, and and nap. You know, you want to <laughs> want to go shopping. You want to do something. You don't want to go and work. No. Like some of us have to during right. Black Friday Dur like, and retailers. during Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. Back to the right. yep. retailer thing. In fact, Black Friday has become so big that it's kind of spawned other um, retail holidays such as Small Business Saturday and Sunday and Cyber Monday. Mm. Right. Cyber Monday is the big one that you hear about oh, now yes. that's growing. Yeah. Some people stay home instead of going shopping on Black Friday and just stay home and shop online, especially during Cyber Monday. One of the um, Hallmark shows that aired this holiday season uh, said, um, one of the comments they made was, that internet shopping is going to be big. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Somebody old, like, like the guy playing Santa Claus. It was like part of the um, part of the plot device they had to use, so mm -hmm. I thought that was funny. So, oh yeah, that internet that shopping thing, oh, that's going to be big. That's yes. going <laughs> to It already is. I hear the internet is big now. I, I've heard. Right, yeah. right. So, um, some Black Friday shopping tips. This is from ConsumerReports.org. The first one is to start early. Start your shopping early. Get up early. Go early. Um, the earlier, the better in some cases, not all. Um, again, this is from Consumer Reports, and then I'll talk about uh, our Black Friday traditions and my my tips from, from our experiences. Two, do your homework. Make sure you know where you're going. Three, use price and coupon tools. Four, use loyalty programs. Five, use social media to find out um, like deals and discounts. Six, create a budget and stick to it. 
check all the um, store policies in advance so that you know what you're doing. For returns mm-hmm. and things like that. That's yeah. Right. Coupons, you know, know which coupons you can use. So that's from consumerreports.org. One of the things I was going to say about those consumer report tips uh, are that, um, you know, when it says do your research, it helps a lot for us, I think, to know kind of what we're interested in because there's a lot of deals out there. Mm -hmm. But if you do your research ahead of time, you can really target what your uh, focus is going to be and which helps you figure out where you're going to go because you can kind of just lay off some places or ignore some places that other people may be flocking to mm-hmm. if those aren't the things you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of apps on the iPhone, and I imagine it's true for the other phones as well, for Black Friday, where you can look ahead of time at the um, uh, sales and what they're planning to have and even look up specifically, you know, if you're looking for computers or electronics or clothing or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you can search for that and find which stores are having which sales. That's right. That's right. Dad's usually good at um, looking that stuff up. Like we look that stuff up too, but um, you are definitely a planner, so that is very advantage. Right. Of, um, that's for right. us. We get we have that advantage. Yes. To yes. utilize his love of planning. Yes. Yes. Although it is very important to do research and know which stores are open when. So typically, what we right. do, we don't. <laughs> you know, Black Friday now opens on Thanksgiving. We typically don't go on Thanksgiving. We go Friday early morning. Um, over the years, we've usually started around like 5 a.m. Um, I believe it was last year that we realized that this, the stores that we typically go to open at 6. That's because with the advent of the Thursday night activities, mm-hmm. the stores we went to took a break yes. and reopened at 6, which mm-hmm. we didn't really anticipate that they were going to change their hours, but they right. did. Right, yes. Right, so that was good to know for future you know, right. Black Fridays that, oh, we need to look up. And just make sure that don't yeah, time. Right. <laughs> when we're going. So so I didn't realize the whole Black Friday was a thing until maybe I was around like 16 years old. And um, I was talking to someone at the youth event and she mentioned Black Friday. And I asked her, oh, what is that? And so she explained it to me and I came home to my parents. And <laughs> so for years and years and years, I never liked shopping. It wasn't until I was like 15 or 16 that I started getting into shopping. Right. So I came right. So I came home and I was like, "Oh, I really want to try this. Have you guys done it?" And so it turned out that you had. I guess I just I just never noticed. Right. right. <laughs> when when my parents was gone, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz when you were little, either dad or I would go. Mm-hmm. We would take turns. Each yes, year. we didn't leave you home alone. Right. Only yes. one of us would go shopping. Right. But as you got <laughs> or take older, turns. Right. Right. As you got older, mm-hmm. we did, but not when you were little. And so I wanted to be a part of Black Friday shopping. So I remember I'm sitting down with my parents and they're like, okay, you super long day of shopping. You know, you're going to have to last the whole day. Okay. (laughs) I think they were a little worried about that. I was more worried than dad. Yeah. I said, seriously, Sydney? Because you did not have much stamina for shopping. Yeah. And it was like previous years. Like I just... Just in general. Yeah. And we never... I never shop for an entire day. No. Not like that. No. So that's, this would have been my first, like, intense shopping. And how experience. old were you? Was Maybe, the like, first... 16? Hmm. 15, 16. Right. And so. we don't shop. The early morning, super early morning shop shopping we do is at the largest mall in the uh, that we can get to right. um, with relative ease. So, right, Black Friday, uh, yes. so it's about an hour and 15 minutes away, mm-hmm. even on Black Friday. So it's not like we can just run you home if you got tired. Right. right. I've made a point 
you have to last. <laughs> you have to last the entire day. Yes. I will. I will. So we went into it with Dad thinking you were going, I bet she will. And me going, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I've been yeah. shopping with her. This is going to be terrible. I, I've had many a shopping experience with Mom when I was younger and it never really went all that well. <laughs> right. You, but you yeah. just didn't have the stamina. Right. right. Yeah. But I did that day. You did. I kind of drove it for a while because I really, and I really do love it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We it's find amazing. a lot of deals. Um, it's a lot of fun. Cole has um, done some Black Friday shopping with us as well. I don't know. It's just a fun, it's a fun day. It is. Yeah. Um, we go to the mall like super early. We usually start off at Macy's. Speaking of Macy's Day Parade, we always love Macy's. Yep. There's like three-story Macy's or whatever. We, we start off there. Sometimes me and mom can get got caught up in Macy's for hours and hours, and dad will, for hours and hours, just go around the mall. <laughs> yeah, I can make us. four or five trips around that mall while you're still in Macy's, right. easily. it's a huge mall. It's ginormous. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not a small mall. Yeah, It's no. not the biggest, but it's not the smallest at all. Yeah. Right. By any means. Um, usually around 10 or 11, that's when we eat. Like, we, we kind of um, get an idea by... Um, but Dad comes by and says, are you done? And yeah. we say, no. <laughs> and then he comes by later and says, are you done? And we say, no. And he comes back later and says, do you know what time it is? And we say, no. And then he's like, it's this time. It's like, oh, I am getting kind of hungry. Yeah. Then we go and we usually eat a Cracker Barrel. Which leads me into my own, uh, just a couple um, for you all, like my Black Friday tips. My first one is don't take the shopping seriously. You'll have a better time if you... Um, are desperately trying to snatch up items or whatever just you know relax and be prepared to walk away from an item now i'm also not a competitive person (laughs) so i don't know you know how this would be with the you know if you were super competitive but you know the important part is not to not to get caught up in the um the items and to be patient with the other shoppers that's a definite um, must uh, number two, pick a place to have breakfast or brunch before you go shopping. Maybe like make a reservation and know exactly where you want to go. Or maybe have a backup plan. No one wants to experience a hangry no. person on Black Friday. Hangry is a word mash of hungry and angry, which is the crankiness people feel as a result of being hungry. <laughs> thus they get angry. Right, thus they get hangry. So right. you don't you don't want that. I don't, you don't want that for yourself. Or your family members or anybody if if you were experiencing anybody around you being hangry just walk away right that is not or good. hand them a snickers or hand them a snickers <laughs> <laughs> yes three have coupons on hand but be prepared that you you may not be able to use some of them right which is where the research comes in you yes um definitely research ahead of time research which coupons you can do ahead of time but but sometimes just something happens and you know it's it's not worth getting angry over. Well, in some stores, you're just not going to be able to use them. We always get these coupons from Macy's, mm-hmm. and you get awesome deals at Macy's. Oh, definitely, yeah. But you don't get to use the coupons. Not, no, like, no, But you get great deals, yeah. so. But, like, if you're at Kohl's, you just use coupons. Like, you're going to get a lot off at Kohl's. If you have, yeah. a, coup- if you have a good coupon, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to use it on Black Friday. You just have to know which stores will and which stores won't and just accept it. Right. And then just enjoy the store for what it is. Right. Definitely go with others. Um, another word person watching your stuff or your purse, or in Dad's case, he sometimes runs things out for us. Right. Um, is is that's great. Invaluable. Um, I know there was. I think last year we were trying on coats, and um, there was just this this lady sticking near Mom, super close. Oh. <laughs> just like a yard away, just staring. 
And she and I would go to different places, and then she'd come and she'd still be there. I'm like, what does she want? Yeah. So sometimes me or her mom would watch each other's purses as we were trying things on, just in the open. Yeah. Right, because when you yeah, you're not going to go into a fitting room to look at a coat. Right. You just find a mirror, put it on, see if you like it. I mean, it's going to take 30 seconds to decide if you like the coat or not. Yeah. How it fits. And uh, my last uh, tip is um, have fun. Make sure that it's more of a fun outing rather than an intense. Hunt in search of the perfect deal. You're not gonna have a lot of fun that way. So um. yeah, you just need to be able to let them things go. If you don't mm-hmm. get them, or the line's too long, just let it go. Yeah, it's important to be able to walk away from an item. Right. At the end of the day, one of a, a really funny memory for Black Friday for me. It was a year that you guys weren't with us, mm-hmm. so Dad um, went and we wanted something. Believe it or not, at Target which is right down the road from us. So Dad got up super early and went to stand in line. Oh, I went with you that year. Did you? Yeah. I just left with you. I wasn't with Dad. Okay. So Dad went to stand in line. So I didn't want to that early. And I didn't need to because Dad was holding my place. So I came later. Yeah, me and you came later. And then did you walk up with me? Mm -hmm. So I walked up the line and the, the security guard said... You need to go to the line in the back. And I said, oh, that's okay. My husband is holding our, holding our place. He said, oh, okay. So I was going by and I was saying hi to the different people. <laughs> to the different strangers. Right. <laughs> and behind Randy, there was a couple. Uh-huh. And the woman said, she didn't have to say I'm wait. She just came waltzing in here and she's just going to get into line. I said, that's uh, yeah. my wife. <laughs> yeah. That turned around to them and said, that's my wife. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And the guy was just dying laughing. So when I got there, I said, hi. And he was just laughing. And I was just like, oh. And, <laughs> and then he went, he was texting. Yeah. I mean, texting, texting. And she goes, it is not that funny. And he started laughing. He goes, it is. It is that funny. And he was texting his family and friends to tell them what had happened. And she was not happy with them. But interestingly, he helped dad get what he wanted and dad helped him get what he wanted inside the store Mm -hmm. so it's just funny how you can make connections even if somebody's spouse thinks that other person's spouse (laughs) is skipping line yeah so we have never experienced the hordes on black friday we've just in fact like oftentimes like a lot of people say like please and thank you and yeah our black friday one time one memory i have of an early time when the three of us went where sydney wanted to come with us Mm -hmm. You guys were in Macy's, and I was walking around, and I was—I decided to look at a Best Buy store. It was a smaller Best Buy inside of the mall, a uh, big mall we were at. And I was just looking for a while and just kind of trying to look in to see what deals they had. So I was probably standing there for a couple of minutes, just kind of— The store pe- was closed. The store was closed, and I was just peering through, just kind of waiting. And <laughs> I eventually looked back. And this line of like 50 people had formed behind me, and I had no idea that they were there at all. I mean, yeah. they, they they weren't loud or anything. They were just waiting in line. They just uh, decided, oh, there's the line for Best Buy. That's, yeah. right. that's right. So then that made me think, hmm, what do they know that I don't know <laughs> right. that I should be buying in that? So. Yeah. So, yeah, that was our Black Friday um, history and experience. Yes. So that is that. our fun second podcast on thanksgiving this year next week we will begin the christmas season podcasts uh, coming up so that'll be very fun so we want to remind you that we've got several social media outlets we have instagram at holiday moons all one word we have twitter which is at holiday underscore moons 
You can also find us on Facebook. There's a Holiday Moons group on Facebook. We also have our website up and running at randallmoon.wixsite.com slash holidaymoons. Our podcast can be found on iTunes and on Stitcher and soon on SoundCloud as well. So for Randy, Beth, Sydney, and Cole, Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! Thanksgiving. Bye!